This morning we will continue in our look of different psalms, and so we'll be in Psalm 115. And I'll read the beginning of that passage as we start. Psalm 115 is on page 424 of the Bridge Bibles, if you happen to pick up one of those on your way in. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have no mouths, but they have mouths but cannot speak. Eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel. Feet but cannot walk. Nor do they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. And that's the first part of the, first part of the psalm that we'll look at today, this morning. Please pray with me. Father, you give us a great privilege to come into your word together, to study, to hear what you have to teach us. Father, I pray that the words uh, I speak would be um, from you, that as we walk through scripture, that you would enlighten our hearts and minds uh, to teach us what you would have to teach us and show us um, how our lives can intersect Uh, the life of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you think of when you hear the word idol? If you're like me, for a long time, you would have thought of some picture like this, of some uh, find from an ancient statue found in an archaeological dig, or if you did think of it, in terms of today, you would have thought about uh, maybe some far off, some remote uh, country uh, that worshipped idols or whose people worshipped idols, but not something found in our modern day Western world. And when I would read a passage like the psalm that we just read, where it, it talked about idols or idolatry, I would have thought, well, maybe this applies to ancient Israel, or Old Testament times, or even reading some of the warnings in the New Testament, uh, maybe it applied to them in their time, but somehow I just didn't make a connection to my life today. Well, what is an idol? A common dictionary definition of an idol is an image or representation of a God used as an object of worship, an image or representation of a God. And in reading that, it's still easy for me to keep a detached, unconnected, impersonal view of idolatry. Still not really applicable to my life. But today I'll advocate for a broader, a deeper understanding of idolatry from the Bible and one that gets much more personal and has been convicting in my own life. And so what if I told you that idolatry is 
everyone's problem. Idolatry is everyone's problem because we were all made to worship. We were all made to worship, but our minds and hearts are all infected and polluted by the disease of sin. The great Reformation leader John Calvin wrote, The human mind is a perpetual factory of idols. Since the world began, we have set up imaginary idols before our eyes to take the place of God. The human mind is a factory of idols. We were all made to worship God because we are all made in the image of God. In Genesis 1, verses 26 and 28, we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God creates humankind in his image to rule over creation. All right, Genesis 1. And it's good. But our minds and our hearts are all infected and polluted by a disease called sin. Because not too far after Genesis 1, in Genesis 3, the Bible tells us a story of how sin infected our lives. And in Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5, where the, where the serpent, the embodiment of Satan, tempts our first parents of the human race, after they had been warned by God, he says, You won't certainly die, the serpent said. For God knows that When you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so from our first parents, the disease spread. And one of the first things that we see is how it reverses God's intended order for worship. Now, the most prominent example that we find in the Old Testament is when, is shortly after God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He had, he had saved them from the slavery and bondage in Egypt. He had uh, rescued them. He had brought them out. The Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. Um, they're at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up onto the mountain, and he's been there for 40 days. And the people get concerned. They get worried. They get afraid. What's happened to him? Is he going to come down? What's going to happen to us? And so in Exodus chapter 32, we get a description of what happens. In Exodus 32, beginning in verse 1, and this is not on the, the screen. It's a little bit longer passage, so I'll read it here. When the people saw that Moses was So long in coming down from the mountain, he had stayed up there a while. They gathered around Aaron and they said, Come, make us gods who will go before us, just like we had seen in Egypt. Come, make us gods who will go before us. 
As for this Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. In verse 2, Aaron answered them, Take off the the gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then he said, These are your gods, Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. Going down a couple of verses, verse 7, Then the Lord said to Moses, after seeing what's going on, he says to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have become quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it. So remember, God created humans in his image. And here we see the reversal of sin. Humans create gods in their image. And consequently, instead of ruling over creation like we had been intended to do by God in Genesis 1, we bow down and served creation. And so God had made humans in his image, and after sin, humans made gods in their own image. You see that that reversal, that perverse reversal caused by sin. Now in the New Testament, the writers speak of idolatry as well. One of the most prominent examples, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1. And this is his kind of summary of what had gone on in Genesis through Exodus. This is uh, Paul writing in Romans 1, verses 22 through 25. And he writes to the church in Rome, To warn them, he says, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal humans, made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the glory of God, the truth about a creator for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And so the disease spread to this very day. Idolatry is everyone's problem. And it's, it gets deeper than that. Idolatry is the problem. It's not just a problem. It's the problem, the underlying sin uh, that other Sinful behaviors are built upon or branch out from. Presbyterian uh, pastor Tim Keller says, it's the sin beneath the sin. For example, you're cut off in traffic or you're behind somebody who's moving too slow and you choose to bless them with an imprecatory psalm. Because you have someplace to be. And you need to get there. And the people there need you there. 
So, you display some unwarranted anger. You're wrong. But what's the sin beneath the sin? Well, that's idolatry. Because you and I idolize ourselves. We're so important that where we need to go, the people need us. We're so important, and our schedule is so important, that we can't be cut off. We can't be stuck behind some Honda Civic going 30 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. We have places to be. So the sin behind our road rage is idolatry. It's not just that we make idols out of things. That's, remember that definition, a, a representation of a god. It's that the god is ourselves. That we make ourselves god. So instead of being satisfied and worshiping god and enjoying his glory, we wanted, we wanted to be like god, to have our own glory, to be self-sufficient. And so from the first humans... We, too, have, re- have been replacing God and making ourselves God and glorifying ourselves. Returning to Psalm 115, the writer begins this, this song. Fully aware of this nature of the human heart, he begins with this warning, this emphasis. Verse 1, not to us, Lord, not to us. But to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. He highlights that that contrast between giving glory to ourselves and giving glory to the God who created us. We worship at the altar of a God of self. An unholy trinity of me and myself and I. Came across a, a writer, John Bloom. He, he quotes it this way. He says, The love of our own glory is the greatest competitor with God in our hearts. The love of our own glory is the greatest competitor of God in our hearts. And so we set up idols that are made to represent the God of self. They can be, and many times they are, good things ordinarily. A job, our bodies, taking care of our bodies, family, all good and great things given by God, in many cases commanded by God to take care of. But when that good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes an idol. And we place upon our idols a burden that only God can handle. And so without fail, they all ultimately fail us. And we sacrifice on the altars of acquiring power and control, comfort and approval. That approval that of being overly concerned about our image, our reputation. That idol of control, of wanting to have everything go according to our plan. Seeking power, influence, recognition, and comfort only seeking out pleasure in life. These are all idols that represent and reflect 
our God of self. The psalm writer continues in verse 3. Verses 3 and 4. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases to him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. And here's the, the convicting part in particular for me. Do you know what the idol that most represents my worship of myself is? I have it with me every day. I never leave home with it. If I do, I have a panic attack. I feel naked. I have to turn around, immediately go back home and get it. I spend more time looking at it than I would ever care to admit. It even has a little bit of silver and gold and is made by human hands. The unholy trinity of me, myself, and my iPhone. It's off, by the way, in case any of you guys are thinking of pranking. Did you know you're carrying around about 50 cents of gold and silver in your pocket? I found a nice little slide that kind of illustrates all the precious metals that go into this little idol I carry around with me. It's only about 50 cents. Don't, uh, don't go disassembling it after service. You'll probably be disappointed, but, uh, but it's in there. So now when I think of idols, the picture that comes to mind is more like this. Too subtle? Uh, Maybe. Too subtle? Well, at least we don't bow down to them. I mean, that would be ridiculous. That would would just be totally uncalled for. Um, Oh, I know, the iPhone isn't the problem, it's not the phone, it's the application, and my goal this morning is not to make you give up your iPhone. See, the phone isn't the problem, the sinful heart and mind that leads me and leads you to self-worship is the problem. But this, this... This little contraption, while often good and helpful when I'm lost or need to look up a map or call somebody, so often becomes, magically, an idol when I pull it out of my back pocket. And it's the most constant reminder and representation of my God of self. Well, how is that? Well, let me give you an example. Try to be vulnerable. I check my email constantly, like 100 times a day, constantly, embarrassingly so, constantly, waiting at a stoplight constantly, Uh, waiting in line for 10 seconds constantly. I check my email constantly. Why do I do that? 
why in the world would I do that? When moments of reflection, I think it's become because I've made the idea of me getting information or getting back to people worship of myself. Like somehow I'm answering prayers when I get back to somebody on an iPhone that they couldn't possibly wait a few minutes or later in the day for me to check. That I'm somehow so important and other people need to hear what I have to say or other people need what I have to tell them. Why else would I check this thing a hundred times a day? Who have I made myself into that somebody else is just waiting for a reply from an email they sent to me? Maybe that's not your problem, but maybe it is. I know it's mine. So this little thing became a little pocket-sized conviction device when it becomes my idol. At the end of the passage, in Psalm 115, those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And what's the answer? What's the answer to idolatry? Well, the way to address and overcome idolatry according to the Bible, is not trying harder. It's not trying to increase your self-discipline. It's not trying to become more moral, to do good things. It's not trying harder. While it may seem that would work for a little while, ultimately, that too No, the way to address idolatry is by seeing the beauty and excellency of Jesus Christ. All the idols we build up, we have to make sacrifices for, but they too ultimately fail us. Whereas Jesus Christ made the sacrifice of his own life on the cross, the shedding of his blood for our sin, and he alone will never fail us. He rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven where he is today. And one day he will return. He alone will never fail us. The Bible's answer to our fallen self-obsession, self-worship, is the great work of grace in the gospel that creates a wonderful obsession with God. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, puts it this way in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. He says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The answer to idolatry is not trying harder. It's the grace of God through the sending of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for us. The answer is the gospel. 
Returning to Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Please pray with me. Father God, um, boy, I, I just come before you convicted of the idolatry in my own life and just the simple things, the good things that you've given and blessed me with that are so easy to make into idols, uh, to reflect and represent my own self-worship. Father, so I confess and I I guess that I'm, I'm probably not alone, that this is a, a human condition that, uh, that many of us struggle with. And we take our eyes off of you, off of your son, off of his death and resurrection, and we put ourselves in the place of God. And we worship power and comfort. But you alone are all-powerful. You alone can comfort us. We worship acceptance, but we are accepted through the shed blood of your Son and through faith in him. And so, Father, I pray that um, we don't just try harder, but rather we fix our eyes on, on your good news, the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.